Bloody Elbow presents the MMA Vivisection, the show that gives you a comprehensive breakdown and expert analysis of all the fights happening on this week's UFC main card. Paid Bloody Elbow Podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content if available at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your hosts, Bloody Elbow fight analysts Zane Simon and Connor Rebush. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the MMA Viva section with me, Zane Simon, and my co-host, as always, Connor Rebush. That's me. That's right, everybody. We're back again with your with everything that you need to know about UFC 298 going down this weekend at the Honda Center in Anaheim, California, which, as you know, means a big highlight for us media people because we get to know two things now that we almost never get to know anymore. A, how much all these people get paid. And B, how much they all weigh on fight night. Yeah. And since we are VIPs at all UFC events, oh yes, since we get to go to Disneyland afterwards. <laughs> uh, right? It, 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 does VIP mean like viciously insulted pe- persons? <laughs> yeah. Actually, unfortunately, it's for viciously insulted penis. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> you re- you would hope it would be for persons, but it's, yeah. Yeah, they really don't like us. the insults have been graphic that's right just uh hey wake up to (laughs) mick maynard texting me what's up three inch he says to me every morning yeah right shut up (laughs) leave me alone i thought i blocked your number that's right. Just him with a pile of burner phones. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! All right. Hey, what were we talking about? We we're talking about UFC two seven or two ninety eight. Oh. Right, right, right. A uh, really decent pay per view card. Cannot complain. Nope. Cannot complain. I will, I'll find a way, but you'll find a way. We we believe in you, but uh, it's difficult. This they they really threw the gauntlet down. Buddy, right, this, all main right. ca- uh, this main card is just banger after banger. Yeah. Right, all right, you whiny bitch. Try this on, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> you just have to like slow turn up the wines. It starts out like. Yeah, Volkanovski Topuri is really good. And I like Robert Whitaker, Apollo Costa, and Kevin Jeff Neal versus Ian Gary. I don't know. Merdai <laughs> <laughs> Just slow gain it. All right. Well, Volkanovski Volkanovski uh, Topuria. That's our yep. main event. There's a there's a feeling in the air, isn't there? Mm-hmm. This is one there of those is. fights where people are either excited or worried about the prospect of uh, of a champion getting unseated. Yeah, I mean, he just we just watched Volkanovski get head kick knocked out. Yep, and he just seems like such a nice, sweet guy. Yeah, 
and you just don't want you don't want it to end like this. It's it, it's you know it's it's a little like the Jose Aldo. It, it feels like it could be the Aldo McGregor thing, where you just like not this. Yeah, there are you know. We watch. Well, it's not that bad. I mean, it's not that bad. But Billy really Chaporia is not like a, you know, he's not he's, particularly he, detestable, is he? He's not insufferable. Yeah, really, he seems, seems normal. He seems forever for a, made for a fighter. Yeah, he seems like a normal fighter. Very normal, and I would have no problem with him as champ. It's just like that whole, you know, although getting beat by Holloway. Yeah, I could handle that just fine. Mm. But it's just, and this isn't the person, it's just the circumstance thing of like watching Volk get knocked out by Makachev in a fight that he shouldn't have taken. Yeah. And then if he turns around and just loses his belt right afterward, I'm just going to be like, man, didn't need to be this way. You know, it didn't. We could, if Volkanovsky hadn't had that Makachev loss, I would be much more willing to see the torch just get passed. Yeah. 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 But, but that's how it goes. That's how it goes. It's, you know, that is why I love watching fight sports is because they are at the end of the day, what must happen must happen. There's no, they're, they're gut wrenching and immiserating experiences. It's not your, you know, it's not your favorite player getting to the Super Bowl and his team not being good enough, but he still had a great game. And you're yeah. like, man, you know, hey, good for Brock Purdy. He may have lost to <laughs> Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, but he's still oh. a great QB. One of those was a real name. Was the other one as well? They're both they're both real names. I Brett Purdy? Brock Purdy. Brock <laughs> I should not. Is he good looking? Uh, he is totally fine looking in a, uh, Ryan Gosling has a brother that, that, that can't act kind of way. So, so Purdy is, is accurate then. Yeah. He's pretty good looking. Uh, yeah, but I don't know. You know, I'm like, I won't be sad if, um, I will be because I like Volk, but I won't be to me like Ilya Tupuria is the kind of fighter in any division I'd be like, Hey, I think this guy could is championship material. Absolutely. And I'm sure he'd have some fun championship fights. Oh yeah. No question. He's a worthy contender. Um, which is the other side of the vibe around this fight, the Mm -hmm. concerns for, uh, the Volkanovsky fans out there because, uh, while Volkanovsky just accepted a fight, probably ill-advised and got knocked out. Taporia's last performance was uh it took instantly took him from being a an obviously impressive prospect and contender to being like oh this guy could be a champ. Yeah, this is how a title this is how a title fighter fights. This is yeah. a championship fighter's style and mentality. I mean, we could just turn around and compare it to Joe Pfeiffer last week fighting uh Jack yeah. Hermanson. And it's just like, yes, this is Piper is clear was clearly not prepared to yeah. step up, and we knew that that might happen. Yeah. But in Taporia's case, you're you're watching him fight Josh Emmett. It's like, oh yeah, this guy is clearly 
yeah. prepared for a big stage and to fight a controlling fight where he's just better. Yeah, and I'll talk about that a little bit because it's what I've been writing about, that, yeah. that Emmett fight in particular. That, um, like, what we learned about Tuporia that we didn't already know, because like I said, you knew this guy w- w- was going to be a contender, basically yeah. right when you saw him in the UFC. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, he's a black belt who has fantastic wrestling, which at the very least allows him to determine whether or not he wants the fight to go to the ground, which he often doesn't because he clearly hits like a truck. He's just yep. an all round great athlete. Um, who and does a lot of to be aggressive. Yeah. And he was instantly in there, like putting these combinations together. Uh, the, the only thing to really be concerned was that he was like insane. Yeah. It was so reckless and aggressive. And you, you maybe saw that being corrected by bits here and there, mm-hmm. but it was not until the Josh Emmett fight that I, I don't think you would really call. You might describe 45 seconds of those total 25 minutes as truly reckless. Yeah. Which is pretty good. Like there, there's moments when it's perfectly justified that he should be going for it full tilt. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet for most of the fight, it was this really, really mature performance. Yeah. He put methodical pressure on Josh Emmett. Everything was built around his jab. Um, you know, Josh Emmett, the more experienced fighter, was in fact the less accurate, more inefficient fighter in the cage. But Tuporia would press him back, land a jab, Emmett would wind up on some huge swing, and all Tuporia would do was just drop back with a little pivot. Yep punch goes past his nose and he's still right there in range and lined up and ready to counter if he needs to. It it was a very Max Holloway versus uh, Calvin Cater kind of performance where you just like, this guy is just better and his opponent can't control. Yeah. Smooth and controlled in a way that we had not seen. Yeah. Um, And I thought, I think the thing that typifies that more than anything, the, the, the surprising maturity and, um, patience of Teporia that's typified by the start of the fifth round because you know Josh Emmett is this incredibly tough dude mm-hmm. he's basically only ever been stopped a by body shots which will stop even the toughest fighter mm-hmm. and by having his face broken yeah <laughs> yeah otherwise he's not been like knocked out knocked out and Teporia tried he hurt him badly he was absolutely cruising and crushing him and then Josh Emmett came out in the fifth round going ape shit, just trying to, you know, do what a, a good fighter should do. He was mm-hmm. just trying to go for it. Like, why not gamble now? Yep. And you would think that Tapuria, in fact, had it been a year or two before, it might've been pretty certain that Tapuria would have tried to meet fire with fire there. You know, he would have said, no, 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 you don't get to come forward. I've spent all this time establishing this pressure you want to swing like an idiot. Okay, let's, let's trade. Yep. And that would have been a, even a reasonable decision, but still a reckless one to some extent. Instead, what Taporia does is he just gets on his bike for 45 seconds. Mm-hmm. He's like, all right, throw it, let it out. Come on. He just like lets him work it out like a tantrum. He just does nothing. Yep. <laughs> and then Emmett's adrenaline is dumped. And he's like, oh, that didn't go how I expected. And then Tapori just goes back to beating him. It's a, ve- that that's is, a, it's a very that's a, Anderson Silva thing to do. That's a veteran move, man. Like, yeah. I know I'm winning. 
well, why do something stupid? Just like let him burn himself out a little bit, and then we'll go back to winning. Yep. So classy. Absolutely. Uh, so it's a performance like that combined with the fears about Volkanovsky and his rough experiences that makes this feel like a, a potential turning point event. Mm-hmm. I, I was, yeah, just set a new bar for what, what you expect out of Tapuria that fight. Yeah, I, I hate to say this, too, because I was, you know, and it's it's a context thing. There's a lot of nuance in this argument, so I'm which I'm, you know, I'm happy to make. But mm-hmm. it has to be said just for the sake of saying. There are really only two fighters that out there that have beat the elite fighters before them the elite fighters of their own era and the elite fighters that came after. Mm, I see what you're starting to say. Yeah. And they are GSP and John Jones. Mm-hmm. Demetrius Johnson is the other case only accepting that he didn't get a chance to beat the elite fighters that came before him because there weren't any. Yeah. But he, he is the other dude who beat the elite of his own era and then guys like Henry Cejudo and yep, who uh, he beat twice. He beat twice. Yeah, and uh, um, Kyoji Horiguchi, mm-hmm. uh, who were clearly the the next gen of elite mm-hmm. talent. But otherwise, it's really just you know Anderson Silva got all the way. He got through the guys that came before him. He got through all the guys of his era. Yep. And then Chris Weidman came along as the next gen talent and that was the end. Yep. You and know? you also you also know um when you see a contender working their way up, you know there is a similar pattern with those kinds of fighters before they win their titles. Yeah. And that that's the thing with that Tapuria Emmett fight. Like that was like Volkanovsky beating Mendez and then beating mm-hmm. Aldo. Yeah. They're like, oh, like this should this not is... look this clean. Yeah. And this effortless uh against like the the people who have been in the title picture since before you arrived in the promotion. Yeah, that Aldo fight was a huge turning point for me with Volk of being like, yeah. Oh shit. Hey, wait a minute. This is this is different. And even Jose Aldo, like we both love him, but he's a dude who he beat the guys that came before him. Beat all the dudes of his own era. The Uriah Faber fight was, well, that was a title fight. What was it yeah. just before the uh, the Mike Brown title fight? Hmm? What was it just before the Mike Brown title fight? I know he beat like Manny Gamburian. I'm thinking of like who were the established Cub, contenders? Cub Swanson. And he just wiped him out. Yeah. And Mike Brown. So, yeah, he beat Cub Swanson and then he beat Mike Brown and he beat yeah. Uriah Faber. Yeah. And those were sort of the dudes, those were the, the, the predecessors to him, really, yeah. as as the greats of that division. And then he beat guys like Frankie Edgar and Chan Sung Jung and Chad Mendez, who were clearly the elite of his own time. Yeah. Max and, Holloway had a ton of wins like that before he got his title shot. Yeah. Like, there's basically been a chain. If Tapuria wins, there will have been a like a, a three champion streak of dudes who just <laughs> shot up the division looking like, Oh my God, this is one of the best contenders I've ever seen. Yeah. And the thing is like, you know, they, they get to that new gen comes along, you know, for vote and 
most most even great championship title fighters when that first real new contender comes along yeah that has been training and working with most of their career looking at the guy that they're about to fight now they don't win that fight yeah especially not when they're like 35 years old like folk yeah the the uh i mean gsp even he only did it once and that was johnny hendricks and then, and, that, and that was that, a questionable one, a very questionable one. They it out, and then he walked away. Yep. And for John Jones, he, you know. He was he, barely squeaking him out as well. Dominic exactly. Reyes, uh, Tiago Santos, yeah. Yeah. So it is, you know, it's a, it's a very difficult place for Volkanovski to be. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I I, I kind of can't escape the vibes on this one, which um, I do honestly feel like Taporia is just a just a really difficult opponent. Yeah. Um, and I think part of it part of it is having seen now in in multiple ways the the process of Volkanovski aging. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it just saw him knocked out for the first time. Of course, that's a big one, but. Um, you've also seen the process of him becoming, um, you know, pickier in a lot of his fights, choosier, more like restrictive Mm -hmm. about what kind of action he's trying to allow. It's it's no accident. Like the fights he's had with like Brian Ortega and the first two with Max Holloway, if you're a champion, like, and you're any good at all, you are going to try to learn from those experiences and try to be more restrictive. Yeah. But, um, it is also a thing that happens to both long reigning champions and just aging fighters in general that they um, pull the trigger a little less. They slow down a bit, become more defensively minded. Mm-hmm. And my fear for Volkanovsky is that Tapuria, uh, while he showed that he can cap the absolutely reckless uh, abandon in his last fight, he is still like the type of young, fiery fighter to have that quality just like blasting out of his pores. Mm-hmm. And this is like what happened with Weidman and Anderson Silva is that like Silva had this whole sort of game he had crafted where yeah. there's almost a feeling of like late era Anderson Silva title defenses of his opponents sort of playing by the rules that Anderson has established. Oh yeah. I mean, he, he had that aura so strong that even Daniel Cormier at 205 pounds with Silva on extremely short notice was in there like, man, I don't, I don't know what to do with this guy. You know, Anderson Silva, I don't know. Yeah. People would not believe the evidence of their own eyes or their own hands. Yeah. <laughs> they they might touch him with a jab, and then he's like, mm, "You can't touch me," and they believe him. Yeah, <laughs> even though they just scored the jab, it has an effect. There's a little bit of that feeling with Volkanovski that he's so good at managing the distance, he's so good at controlling people with his feints uh, that you just wonder, like, what if your opponent is young and fast and hard hitting and a very technically proficient boxer yeah. who uh who just doesn't like care enough <laughs> i mean not, I mean about not technically proficient part but we also saw robert whitaker you know drikas duplessis yeah. recently yeah. Or it's just 
Whitaker's out there. He's trying to manage the distance, manage the pace, counter Duplessis coming in, all that stuff. And Duplessis is just like, what? What if I just swang and swang some more hammers at you? Yeah, and this this pertains in my mind to little things that I was I, that I discussed um, with Phil, for example, where you know he, he made the point, a very good point, that um, Volkanovski's game seems to have a lot of tools designed to deal with uh, aggressive jabs. You know, he beat Max Holloway. I mean, more than yeah. once. Um, he's got the low kicks. Holloway, in fact. Yeah, yeah. One, on one occasion, he actually fucking dominated him. Uh, he's got the excellent low kicking game, which is a fantastic counter to jabs. That was what Phil said. And I, and I just, I couldn't help but thinking like, yeah, a jab is also a counter to low kicks. It just mm-hmm. depends on how hard you try to do it. Sort of. Yeah. How insistent you are. That's the feeling I get about Tupuria. Like I, I can see all these elements in Volkanovsky's game that I have no idea uh, if Tupuria is crafty enough to deal with them. Yeah. But I also just feel like what if he just pushes it, you know, a little more than Volkanovsky wants him to and just doesn't respect uh, what's coming back at him that much and just believes he can get into range and tear this dude's head off. Yeah, it's the vibes are right there, because like I will say on tape, uh, even watching Topuria's great performances, I don't see like the obvious tool that is going to defeat Volkanovsky, you know? Well, who is, this is the thing. Who who is Volkanovsky fought? Who is really like Tapuria? Yeah. I mean, the best I could say would be to be like, like Chad Mendez, who doesn't have a jab. Yeah. I was going to say the best I can say is uh, Max Holloway without the multiple layers of threat. You know? Yeah, but Tapuri is a very different kind of boxer than Holloway. Yeah. He is not a get you slightly out of position and pour on. He's much more of a uh, a sniper. Mm-hmm. With the, even when he in his high output performances, he's more like a the way like Justin Gaethje fights, mm. where he will try to touch you with jabs. Yeah. He will try to break your position. But the whole time, he's really trying to line you up for like a kill shot. Yeah. That's not so much the Max Holloway thing where the whole thing kind of falls apart as uh, Volkanovsky discovered. If you can just like break the first layer, if you can break the entry point, then the avalanche never starts. Yeah, that's true. With Tapuria, as Emmett discovered, you can land some good counters on him and he will still retain the ability to think deeper into the exchange, exchange and try to like cut you off making a lazy reset with just a devastating hook. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I just, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I would love to pick Volkanovsky, but purely on vibes, I am picking Ilya Tupuria to unseat him. Yeah. I mean, so one of the big things that I am worried with Tupuria here is I do wonder how much he really can refuse the invitation that Volkanovsky will offer. Because mm-hmm. I think, like, with Josh Emmett, like, you kind of, you kind of know you have to refuse the invitation. Mm-hmm. That Emmett will, he will punch well going forward, he will punch well going backward. 
but it's all one speed, it's all one tempo, and it's all one power. Mm -hmm. And so if you can just kind of keep the pocket and pick at them, you're going to see things coming. Yeah, like a huge difference between Emmett and Volkanovsky that should not be ignored is the fact that Emmett doesn't faint. Yeah. But Tapuria really, you know, because he is a technically a very skilled boxer, he had a very easy time knowing when he was when his defense was going to be needed. Yeah. Timing the shots. Volkanovsky, faint machine, like getting his timing will automatically be much trickier. Be much trickier. And Volkanovsky is, you know, he's much better at setting a trap that mm -hmm. where your own caution about entering it is just going to give him the fight he wants. You know, if you don't, if you don't step in and eat the hook that he's going to throw, then you let Volkanovsky start establishing his kicks and his jab. Right. And if you do step in, then Volkanovsky has, you know, he has the power and the presence to, to make you pay for t being wild. So you tend sure. to have to, you have to kind of judge how far, you know, how far can you push? How far can you, how far in can you go without getting cracked? Yep. Or do you, how far do you have to hang back? And it creates, it creates an indecision that is much more difficult to deal with than what Emmett can do. For sure. Yeah. Cause Vol Volkanovsky has a really sophisticated version of like the Machida game, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Where, it's so annoying and slowly, little by little, genuinely damaging his like kicking and jabbing game mm -hmm. and range that you do have to pressure him, but you have to pressure him methodically, meaning constantly being a target for all those annoying kicks because he will crush you on the counter and if you over if you overextend. He is a very sharp counterpuncher. There were moments, few of them, but there were moments in that Emmett fight where Tapuria did let yeah. it, let his aggression take over a little. Yep. And where he got caught a couple of times. And there was a, a moment I remember. A couple of very Aldo-like exchanges where he's like, okay, this one is super risky, but I'm just going to do it to prove to him that I can. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember one where, like, Emmett just kind of clipped him around the back of the head a little as mm -hmm. Topuria was trying to cut an angle. And Topuria stumbled to the mat. He didn't get knocked down. He was just sort of knocked off balance. I, I think there was a, a slight trip involved in that one, too. If, I, yeah. if I'm thinking of the same exchange where Emmett somewhat outside tripped him as he cuffed him. It might be, yeah. And Topuria stumbled down. And... Emmett didn't really pursue that at all mm -hmm. because Emmett is so keyed in on having mm -hmm. one kind of fight. Yeah. Volkanovsky might uh, stay on top of you for the rest of the round. Yeah. If that happens. Volkanovsky is the kind of fighter who, if he can create a little moment where mm -hmm. you've made a mistake or slipped up, he will pounce on that. Yep. And he will make you pay for it. And that's something that we haven't really, you know, the only ways we've seen Topuria have to deal with that were against somebody like, you know, against guys like Bryce Mitchell and Jai Herbert. Yeah. 
who was, uh, as uh, Phil uh, wisely pointed out, like Bryce Mitchell did get to pour you down mm-hmm. on a single leg. And, and Herbert almost knocked him out. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And they're both not nearly as comprehensive a threat as Volkanovsky. Yeah. And neither nearly as well-rounded. The, the, those are yeah. two things that Volkanovsky is capable of doing. Uh, those two fights. So there is serious reason to hesitate here on Topuria as well. Like oh, it is, absolutely. it is a vibes thing where it's just like, it does feel like Topuria's time and that he has the confidence, but we also have not seen him in this kind of fight. No, there's nobody. I mean, Volkanovsky, like he's the best. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's, he's one of the best to ever do it in this division. Like there, there are no other fighters that will prepare you for the experience. Like, like Anderson Silva. Yeah. As different as they are. I think that is the championship comparison. I keep coming back to like, how do you prep for fighting this guy who just rules the division by doing things in his own very particular way? Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to stick with the Volkanovsky pick mostly just for old man solidarity. (laughs) Sure. You know, yeah, because I get the vibe as well. Like the vibe is right there. Ilya Topuria is going to mm-hmm. win the belt, mm-hmm. but I'm going to take the vibe pick, and we're. I'm going to take. I'm going. I'm going to go against the vibe pick, and I'm going to take Volkanovsky just out of. You know, he, he that commercial he had for the the Aussie betting site. <laughs> Did you see that? Was that the old man thing? Yeah. Uh huh. Like I, I gotta, I gotta be, I gotta stay. Who doesn't, who doesn't like Volk? Exactly. He's a, he just seems like a pretty cool guy, honestly. He does, and he's, you know, he's very honest and about himself. And he was very straightforward in his reaction to that awful Henry Cejudo clip that was going around this week. Yeah. What did he, he say? He was like, Henry, I, I, I hope this isn't real because if so. You're a real piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> was pretty much his reaction. Hey, you know, he doesn't like Volk. Tells it like it is. Yep. So I'm, I'm going to stick with him out of solidarity, but I can't help having the, the feelings that Topuria is, he is the new breed and it is a rare, rare, even among great champions. Yeah. It is a rare thing to survive the new breed. The third wave. Pretty much nobody does it ever. Yeah, only, yeah, the 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 pinnacle of all time greats. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and even not some of them don't quite yeah. manage it. Yeah, like I say, I mean, Jose Aldo is an all time great. Anderson Silva is an all time great. These men did not survive the third wave. Yep, Silva couldn't do it. Dominic Cruz couldn't do it. No. Demetrius Johnson might have, but didn't get the chance. Yeah. Demetrius Johnson did survive the third wave. He he pushed back Cejudo and Horiguchi. Oh, that's right. No, no, but he didn't get the first wave is he, what I mean. He didn't get the first wave, so he didn't get that chance. But I mean, I guess if you count his bantamweight career, that was the first wave. Yeah. I mean, he has a win over Miguel Torres. In there. Yeah, there you go. There you go. The, 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 the way to count it. He, that, he's an honorary put DJ in there. It, mm-hmm. It's just he didn't get the whole complete arc that like GSP did where he got to beat Matt right. Hughes, BJ Penn, and then he beat, you know, Carlos Condit and Nick Diaz and Jake Shields and 
Josh Koscheck, and then he got that fight against Johnny Hendricks, and he beat Johnny Hendricks, who then went on to become champ himself, even if only briefly. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, that kind of comprehensive, or in Jones' case, the, you know, getting to take apart the Shoguns, the Rashads, the uh, Machidas, all that, and then having your whole Gustafson DC era. Yeah. And then getting into the the Dominic Reyes's and the Tiago Santos's and the the Anthony Smith's as weird as it is to say that <laughs> and beating them as well. Like yeah. it just doesn't happen. Yeah. It's rarefied air. So yeah. if Olkanovsky wins this, like he has a real claim to being the best featherweight ever. Yeah, for sure. You know, yeah, I think he should already be in that conversation He's even if conversation. he loses this because because the era that he came up in was all was so uh stacked with other like all-time great talent. Like yeah. the fact that he beat Aldo, Mendez and Holloway, like that's not just beating the previous generation. That is beating a truly great previous generation yeah. of of fighters, like one that stands out above whoever the fuck Anderson beat at middleweight before becoming champ, right? Like Rich Franklin and uh yeah. yeah, no, no disrespect to Rich Franklin, but like Chad Mendes, Jose Aldo, and Max Holloway are better than him. <laughs> yeah, pound for pound, yeah. they're they're tougher fighters. No, I mean that, that somebody else made that say, statement about Aldo too. They're being like, yeah, but Aldo then went down to bantamweight and competed with all the elite there. Like, yeah, and gave gotta, a war to the to the champion down there. Like, yeah, like, and come on. yeah. It's like I said, there's, there, there's context and nuance to this. I'm just making, I'm just saying as a blanket sort of generalization. Oh, I'm with you. Yeah, I'm with you. Volkanovski is the favorite. Open at minus 176. Currently at minus 111. So that number getting thinner and thinner. He will probably be an underdog by fight night. Crazy. Tapuri opened at plus 157. He's currently at plus 102. Pretty right. sick. Uh, pretty sick. If this, as much as I, I would like to see Tapuria in title fights. I really like watching him fight. Mm-hmm. It would be pretty sick if this was like a this Volkanovski made this look like uh, Adesanya Paulo Costa. Right, if it's he, like everyone's like, "Ooh, this is a tough one," and then he just cruises to victory. Like and if Volkanovski goes out there and beats Taporia, he is the greatest featherweight of all time. I, yeah. I hate to say it, like for Aldo, my love of Aldo. I hate to say it, but Volkanovski beating Taporia now—that would be even if even if you don't want to call him the greatest, you might you'd have to admit that he might be the best featherweight of all time. Yeah. Sometimes there's that distinction, right? Sure. Like, is Lennox Lewis greater than Joe Lewis or Muhammad Ali? Eh, but had very good results, and he was really yeah. good, you know? Yeah, that that's that's fair, too. But, yeah, Volkanovski, uh, it would be a hell of a thing for him to win this. Yeah. On the flip side, we've got Robert Whitaker, Paul Acosta out there. And um, the aforementioned. This just feels like a remarkably easy fight to call. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I my very first impulse when I looked at this, I was like, uh, oh, I don't know about this one. And then, uh, and then Phil was like, uh, really? And then I yeah. thought about it for two more seconds. <laughs> I was like, wait, my concerns are, as with the Volkanovsky fight, for Robert Whitaker. I'm like, sure. I don't know. Things have been going rough. And then I think about how bad Paulo Costa looked in his last fight <laughs> and how yeah. little he seems to care about MMA these days. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm like, okay, yeah, fair enough. The thing with Paulo Costa is, and you know, unlike Drikas Duplessis, because it's not not a lot physically about Paulo Costa that can't mirror what Drikas Duplessis does. God no, you know, He's a man, beast. It, man is a beast. But Paulo, and, and it's wild to say this considering the fight he had with Yoel Romero. Yeah. But Paulo Costa has a lot of quit in him. Yeah. He is a fighter. If you are going to just give Paulo Costa, even if you're just going to, I was going to say, if you're going to just give Paulo Costa a brawl, he can just go, he can stick with it. But that Romero fight, that really stands out as like this very singular moment Mm -hmm. in Costa's career. Yeah, I mean, Phil was actually pitching that as the turning point uh, rather than the Adesanya fight. And I think there's yeah. some merit to that. Like, like, this was the first guy who just essentially didn't care that Costa had done so much good work against him. Yeah. And ended up winning the third round against and It's a slightly it's a deflated looking Paulo Costa. Mm-hmm. Not physically. He's, if anything, yeah. more inflated. He's got a pump on by the end of the fight. But yeah. Yeah. Mentally deflated. And then we see that fight he had with Adesanya, and he immediately got overawed yeah. by Adesanya's tools. Me going to be smart fighter now. Yeah, I mean, he He's just... going to fight safe, and then he just... He just froze. He saw the first couple of kicks coming, and... He the, tricked the everyone into thinking that Adesanya uh, was this genius backfoot fighter, including yeah. Adesanya. Yeah, unfortunately, that might be the turning point for Adesanya more than it is for it's, Paulo it's, Costa. It's Paulo Costa's fault that Sean Strickland became champion. Yeah, that makes sense. Because then he went out and had, uh, you know, Marvin Vittori just went out and like out brawled him. Yeah, beat him off the back foot for more than half that fight. Just countered yeah. him and hit him with southpaw jabs and. Yep. And, you know, that, like... Even that performance is not that bad from Costa, though. No, it's like, not it, bad, like, but He it's... missed weight massively. It was a huge, embarrassing uh, yeah. shit show. But, you know, like, you didn't see the quit in him there. You know, there wasn't no. enough pressure put on him. There wasn't enough defiance from Vittori. Costa gassed, and then he just kept fighting. Like, he still looks all right. It's all right. And the Luke Rockhold fight is the same thing where like Well, he, that one I think he looks like shit. Yeah. But I mean <laughs> it's just, he, he looks like shit, but he he doesn't really quit so much as like No, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just doesn't he can't control anything. Yeah. And he can't when he can't control things, his form starts to fall apart and he can find it himself to gather himself, but it's not yeah. Like there's nothing maintained about it. There's nothing clean about it. And there's nothing yeah. where it's just like, oh, Costa is winning. He is going to sustain something. You know? Yeah. That Rockhold fight, aside from being a battle between uh, two competing types of male pattern baldness, mm-hmm. is like, uh, you know, but maybe that actually that was my conclusion that the the real turning point in Costa's career is just his hair <laughs> becoming <laughs> shitty. <laughs> like he had all this swagger and confidence. He knew he was hot. Mm-hmm. And now he's not 100 percent sure he's still hot. Like, I think what's going to happen is in three years, Paulo Costa will finally shave his head 
and will yeah. immediately become champion. There we go. He's going to be looking worse the whole time, and then he's going to discover, I look pretty good with a shaved head. I kind of look like The Rock. Yeah, there and you go. Instantly, championship tier. But the thing in that Rockhold fight is, yeah, like, it's so ugly, and it's largely because um, Rockhold just, like, refuses to die. Yeah. That's all it takes. Yep. And, like, Costa hits him so much and has so much momentum. And then Rockhold's like, hey, fuck you. And he kicks him in the body four times. And Costa instantly starts smirking and playing it off. And you're like, oh, like, this is a tell for you. Yeah. Sometimes that's overstated. Uh, the whole, oh, if he smiles, it means it hurt him. Yeah. With Costa, that's the case. He is, you can tell when he's bluffing and starts trying to con you with a show of, of arrogance Mm-hmm. And it's so the it's so easy for that to happen in that fight. It's a very dispiriting sign. Yeah, for a guy who did not look that bad not that long ago. And I honestly also think I'm willing to bet. I think Whitaker did take a lesson from that diamond uh, or from that not diamond Dallas Page. God damn it, DDP Diamond Drikus. <laughs> diamond Drikus. The Drikus duplicity fight. They do mine those there in South Africa. With that's very right. That's right. Humanitarian methods. Yeah, take the whole different connotation for. Yeah, blood diamond Drikus duplicity. Yeah. Um. I, okay, now I now I just want, I'm going to start calling him Blood Diamond Dallas Page. <laughs> Go for it, yeah. <laughs> Blood Diamond Dallas Page. It's great. It is. Okay. Um. But I think he he sounded like he took actually the right attitude from that loss, mm-hmm. which was I real you know he came out he said he realized like he wanted to win more than me. And he was more unflappable than I was. And I should actually try to recapture that because I'm out there. I was out there trying to like stave him off and play it safe. And, you know, what he needed to be was the guy who beat Yoel Romero. Yeah. You know, he needed to stand his ground and put your pussy on the back foot and yeah. him up. And I mean, the, the question for me is, do, can he do that anymore? Yeah, there is a question about that. Knowing definitely... that you need to do it and being able to do it in two different things. But I just don't think Paulo Costa can push hard enough to make that be a big enough factor. And if I've he seen if he if he can, he will. He has a very good chance of winning. Yes, that's the thing. But if he can't, I have seen. Whitaker against fighters who are much more single-minded than Paulo Costa, yeah. like Marvin Vittori and Jared Gastelum, and Kelvin Gastelum, who just get out-slicked by Robert Whitaker for every minute. Yeah. And I can't trust that Paulo Costa won't let that happen to himself. Yeah, same here. Yeah, if Paulo Costa can be just an absolute madman... He may very well, because I with Robert Whitaker, no matter how much he may have realized that lesson after losing to Duplessis, um, the trauma is already there. Yeah. You know, we see this happen to fighters all the time. One bad experience turns out to be quite formative in the in the following years that like 
there's a moment that'll happen in a Robert Whitaker fight where you can see on his face and in his body language that his like nervous system is remembering a previous bad experience yeah. and it becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy. That KO loss to Israel Adesanya, I think, changed things for him a lot. Yeah, it sh- it shook him, and it, I think somewhat permanently. Yeah, because you can the rematch like that was a, a fight where like he he came out and he just had like an idea of oh okay I'll try to be like safe distance fighter against Adesanya. Yeah, and just let himself get picked off. Yeah. And it's not, you know, we don't see a, we don't see the Whitaker from those Romero fights who just seemed like he was absolutely unbreakable. Yeah. I mean, so, even even the Darren Till fight, like, yeah, even that was all, the people who beat uh, Darren Till after Robert Whitaker. Yeah. Made him look so terrible. And Robert Whitaker extended the impression that maybe Darren Till was a good fighter. Because he was still feeling that Adesanya fight. He got stung early in that Till fight, and yep. he spent the rest of it just outmaneuvering and outpointing Till. Struggling to reclaim, because and it hurts Whitaker especially, this mental barrier, because a lot of his success does depend on some pretty reckless decision-making. Mm-hmm. So if no. you can scare that out of him, uh, it kind of hampers everything. We, we used to talk about this with the, the Romero fights. One of the things about Whitaker classically was that he would chase a combination in the pocket, even to yeah. his own doom. Yeah. And Adesanya murked him for it. Yep. And now when you scare that out of him, you find that the, the pure like boxing fundamentals aren't really rock solid on their own. Yep. He needs those, those blitzes thrown in there for the whole game to click. Yeah. So. But he should be able to outslick Polo Costa without too much difficulty. I mean, Whitaker is the favorite. Opened at minus two hundred one, currently minus two forty four. Costa is the underdog. Opened at plus one seventy eight, currently at plus two twelve. That brings us to a welterweight bout: Jeff Neal, Ian Machado, Gary, and um, another fight. I'm perfectly happy to see. Yep. But which ultimately I don't think is that hard to call. No, it feels like a real, real bad matchup for Jeff Neal. Yeah, which is Ian Gary, man. Uh, you know, I, I know everybody hates him. I get it. He's annoying, you know. He has made being annoying a core crutch of his personality. Yeah, I would tell you that he's a lot more interesting if you just watch his fights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's a lot more of a, a thing you actually look forward to if you just try not to pay attention to anything he says. Yep. Uh, or anything that people say about him, which is just as exhausting. Yes. Um, but in addition to being a very good fighter, a very smart, capable, disciplined young fighter, you got to give Ian Gary credit almost spiteful credit for how well he has managed his climb up this division. Mm-hmm. Neil Magny. What do we say about that fight? It was like, almost want to say, screw you. Ian Gary. It's such a perfectly winnable fight for him. Yep. It has just enough name value that you still like trick yourself into thinking it's an impressive win. Oh, it is an impressive win. It is. But you, but in saying that you automatically forget about the style matchup yes. in which it was, yes. 
absolutely obvious that Ian Gary would win. Yes. And this is just a step beyond that, where like, it, yeah, Jeff yep. Neal more dangerous, more faster. powerful, faster than Neil Magny, but also like he kind of just has a left hand and he can't cut off the cage. And we know these things. And we have seen Jeff Neal in fights against fighters that can figure that out. Yeah. And all he can do is lose. Yeah. He'll go for fights. it. He's got like, like Jack Hermanson yep. last weekend. Like he, he is a, he will summon the will to just go after you. If he finds himself in that position, he doesn't go away. He doesn't lose quietly. Yep. But, I think the model to look at is his fight with Steven Thompson. Yep. And that's pretty much what I expect. That's that's the homework I expect Ian Gary to to, to copy off of. Yep. Just pivot Move around, jab, jab, yep. jab, cross, and kick. Yep. And you can keep you can keep Neil's hands at home with high kicks. You yep. can pivot and have him he will just sort of sprint by you like you know a charging bull. Yeah, like a like a jou- like a, a jouster in the lists. Mm-hmm. And then you just pivot and go to one twos, and he will be right there to be hit, and he can't really change it up. Yeah, and we know for certain both that Ian, uh, Ian Gary does a really good job of watching tape and preparing for his opponents. Mm-hmm. We know that he's flexible strategically. He's effective at changing up his approach. And um, and we know that he can do this particular kind of fight. We saw it very impressively against Gabe Green. Yep. On the back foot the entire time against a really relentless pressure fighter. I would say a better cage cutter than Jeff Neal if a, if a worse athlete and less yeah. durable. But, uh, yeah, he just dealt with it very calmly. Yeah. Kept his jab out there, countered hard and fast and straight when he needed to. And then reset and rinse and repeat. Yep. And Neil is, you know, not really doesn't have the tools to deal with kicks well either. Yep. And uh, is not really defensively sound. Nope. He's very square. Very square. Very much always lining up the backhand, which is yep. pretty much the antithesis of being defensively sound. And yeah, it just it it feels like a very obvious pick here to make for Ian Gary. Yep. Still looking forward to seeing it. Again, oh, yeah, I, know yeah, Jeff, yeah. I know Jeff Neal won't lose quietly. So Definitely. uh it'll it'll be engaging the whole time. Gary's gonna have to work for it for three rounds straight. Let's see. So if he beats Jeff Neal, then the next answer would pro well, let's see. We've got Thompson, Brady, and Covington and Burns. Who's the next perfectly cultivated matchup? Yeah. Well, Thompson, probably. Yeah, Thompson. And that's also probably the least the person who won't take the fight that fight. Like that's and probably Ian not the Gary, fight. And watch Ian Gary goes in there and out wrestle Stephen Thompson. You're like, yeah. screw you, Ian. <laughs> You're such an asshole. Otherwise, it would probably be Gilbert Burns would be the next. He, he's the he's the fighter yeah. that could get him a title shot. You get to a is, point here pretty soon where like they don't feel like obvious wins. You like there's no, no avoiding that. You're gonna have yeah. to fight people who might beat you sooner or later. But Burns is a fighter who, with all of his improvement and all of the danger he presents in wrestling and grappling, they could beat Stephen Thompson 
mm-hmm. his striking is still very much I pick my combo and then I just lunge in and throw it. Yeah. And we have seen Gilbert Burns pay for that dearly over the years against fighters that just see what he's got coming. Yep. But hey, he's got wrestling. But he's got wrestling and and great grappling. And yeah, it gets to an elite where it would be, uh, it's still impressive. Beating Neil and Magny is still impressive but it would it would definitely be you know you beat one of those top top three top five guys and it's just like yeah okay you're very good and that's all there is to it i mean i i already think that gary is very good and if he doesn't contend for a title in the next two years because of a a badly timed loss or something i would still expect him to fight for one in the next five yep Mm -hmm. you know yeah he is clearly a very very capable Future contender. Yeah. Uh, future challenger. All right. That brings us to a bantamweight. Oh, wait, no. Odds on the fight. I think right. I missed those. Jeff Neal is the underdog, opened at plus 188, currently plus 192. Ian Gary opened at minus 214, is currently minus 218. Yep. That's enough. Mm-hmm. All right. Bantamweight bout. Merab Dvalishvili against Henry Cejudo. And uh, this is a tough fight to call. Yes. Because so much of what Dvalishvili does is about asserting pace on an opponent. Mm-hmm. And he's gotten better at it. His striking is better. It's more considered. He's more confident with it. His change up between striking and wrestling is more natural now. But it's still very often him being a bit square, uh, throwing what can be kind of obvious strikes, Mm -hmm. and just making you have to constantly deal with the pressure and the indecision of, will he reach down and grab my leg, or will he try to cuff me around the ear? Mm -hmm. And Cejudo... He can he can fight at at pace. He can deal with physicality. He's he's an amazing athlete. He's an amazing athlete. And obviously a phenomenal wrestler. And yeah, the difficulty is knowing that Cejudo is like physically, even now, past his prime surely, is just a serious physical barrier against the a lot of the things that Demarab likes to do. Mm-hmm. Like Ricky Simone was, for example. And yeah. That was Marab's last loss. While also acknowledging that Marab is a completely unforeseen version of the pace fighter archetype. Yeah. That he takes, he really, really pushes the established limits of that kind of game. This this man went for 49 takedowns against Piotr Jan. Yeah. He went for, and previous opponents, he was going for 22, 20, 24. Like, a, a fight in which, a three-round fight in which Marab only goes for 11 to 15 takedowns is low for him. Yep. Nobody does that. Nobody. Not even Nobody. the most defined pace fighters can possibly dump energy that recklessly and not slow down. really is, for wrestling, in the MMA meta, what what max holloway yeah yeah 
has been for striking when Max Holloway put out like, you know, 400 yeah. strikes. But it's a whole different kind of impressive even because yeah. like there's a reason you don't see that. Wrestling is so tiring mm-hmm. compared to striking. Punches are easy. They're so efficient. Yeah. You know, Max Holloway can once he turns you into a heavy bag, that man can work the heavy bag for 30 rounds. No problem. Yep. Nobody can take down a grappling dummy 50 times in a row and then no. do it again. Like it's just it's just patently exhausting. And, and I, I just can't think of another fighter who it seemed impossible what Marab did to Pyotrion. Yeah. <laughs> Before you saw it, it seemed absolutely impossible. And Cejudo, you know, he has the physical tools to counter a lot of Dvalishvili's work. Yeah. But he is a much more selective fighter than yes. Dvalishvili. No question. You know, there's been a long, you know, he, he had for a long time, he was working on this whole like karate sort of yeah. stance and output. Yep. He was training with uh, Patricio who was doing the same kind of stuff. Yeah. And he's moved away from that lately to be a little bit more boxing focused. Yeah. But he is still a, that, that was sort of the introduction of a more patient choosier striking Cejudo again mm-hmm. that process which just happens to every fighter somewhat as they age yeah and even going back to a more boxing kickboxing approach like stance wise whatever the the pace is still lower than when he was doing this these kind of mechanics in the early going of his yeah. career because he used to be a pretty hectic output uh, producer himself mm-hmm. and he's not anymore he's not and that I mean, he one thing he has, and it's part of the being selective that Marab Dvalishvili doesn't really have, mm-hmm. is that Cejudo is a finisher. Yep, he is a fighter who can find that moment where you are out of position and you don't see the strike coming that he's lined up. Yep, and he will put you away with it. Dvalishvili is not interested. He does not care. He's not trying to hide anything from anyone ever. He is just trying to overwhelm you with input to the point that you can't you can't take the time to select a shot. Yep. So Hudo's a lot more accurate, more decisive with the individual things. Then again, how much of a finisher is he? And how yeah. much of it sort of came with the opponent's help? <laughs> yeah. It was a, a wasted corpse uh, of TJ Dillashaw. Yep. Wilson Hayes, Marlon Moraes. These are not guys it's impossible to knock out. No. These, these are these are chinny fighters, in fact. Uh, yeah. And then an old Dominic Cruz. Yeah, it's just more so than Dvalishvili, who. Of course, yes. Has, yeah. you know, a TKO over Marlon Moraes and then is just a decision machine, even against guys like Terry and Ware and Gustavo Lopez. And almost got nuked by Marais before TKOing him. Yeah. Uh, That didn't happen to Cejudo. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing is this is a guy who can survive 10 of Marlon Marais' best punches. Mm-hmm. Marlon Marla Marais can't survive 10 of Marlon Marais' best punches. And that surely that has something to do with the fact that Cejudo was able to knock him out. Yes. Um, 
I I'm gonna pick Volashvili mm-hmm. here, just because mostly for age and pace. Like yep. I don't even know that he's gonna do a get Cejudo be able to control Cejudo a lot. No, I very much doubt it. But I do think that he will he will I think he'll benefit a lot more from. Aljamain Sterling's fight with Henry Cejudo, then yes. Henry Cejudo benefited from fighting Aljamain Sterling and trying mm-hmm. to use that to prepare for Marais. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, uh, Duvall's really got to, or not Marlon Marais, Duvall's really, much more than Duvall's really, or much more than Henry Cejudo benefited from <laughs> fighting Aljamain Sterling to prepare for Duvall's really. There we go. You, are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> Just, <You're> good. <laughs> Just got lost with all the Marlon Marais talk. Um, I mean, Duvalish really was part of the camp that prepared that fight. Yeah, Duvalish really was part of the camp that prepared that fight, and he got to see the ways that Aljamain Sterling took Henry Cejudo down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? And for Henry Cejudo, like, for Cejudo, Duvalish, or, uh, Duvalish really does not really wrestle the way Aljamain Sterling does. No. They have some of the same, like, grab a single leg, just sort of, like, reach down and grab it mm-hmm. style kind of thing, where they'll just walk, get into the pocket and, like, oh, am I throwing a hook or am I just going to reach down and grab your leg? Yep, just snatch it. Snatch just, single. Just snatch it. But Cejudo uses a lot more. He, he then will follow that with a lot more funk to yeah, try. Yeah, sure. And scramble and create something, whereas Duvalish really will either he will just kind of try to pull you down out of that, yeah, or he'll just let go and go right back to work, like yeah, or go to another takedown or go back to striking or working yeah. on the clinch or yeah, he is much more on the speed chess kind of idea of just like yes, move, yes. move, 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 where Sterling is much more of the like okay I. I've worked my way to an advantage. Let me try and play that for everything it's worth. Right. For Dwalish, really, whatever works, works because it is surrounded by uh, you as the defender having just made 10 other decisions yes. in rapid succession. Exactly. Keep, make, keep forcing decisions on the opponent over and over and over. But, yeah. uh, but I got to say, like, uh, really, like that Ricky Simone fight. I think should be instructive for what to expect of Dwalish Willie's like concrete success with wrestling here. Yeah. Like this is just a phenomenal athlete who is a tremendous scrambler and Dwalish Willie couldn't control Ricky Simone at all. No, it was just nonstop takedowns and scrambles. It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so I have high hopes for this fight. I don't know what to expect, but I have high hopes seeing somebody expertly meet all of Dwalish Willie's 7,000 takedowns should be fantastic but yep um but still it's going to be seven thousand of them yeah and so who is definitely getting older yeah and uh yeah i mean really it's it's a it's a fascinating matchup it's just watching like a a genuine uh in talent if not an accomplishment an all-time great in henry Mm -hmm. cejudo and and then seeing somebody who while not yet a champion is like doing things that we literally did not think were possible mm-hmm. before yeah. finding out the limits of this super impressive looking game uh, should be very satisfying and, and interesting. Yep. I'm here for all of it. 
it's only a shame that um, Marab is doing this at all, really, because yeah, he should be fighting for the title. Every time I see like a clip of Marab or anything, I'm like, this guy should be champion. Yeah, he he has star quality. Like he's really likable. He he has done an amazing job in the past couple of weeks of just everything he hits social media with is hilarious and awesome yeah, and really funny. Really and uh, he has a serious sense of humor about himself and the sport and everything. I mean, yeah. Put this, Henry Segudo this... making himself as unlikable as possible just by like <laughs> oh my God. publicly humiliating his coach and then being like, no, it was a prank. It's like a prank on who? It's just a prank on you. Nobody yeah. looks bad here but you. So wait, he did say it was a prank? Yes. But then you're just a dickhead. Exactly. Like nobody would. Nobody cares if you tell your coach you don't want to work for him th- within this camp. That's fine and normal. <laughs> I just do that all the time. You broke but, his heart for a joke. <laughs> but like going, like or yeah, just like going and making it a public thing, and then being yeah. like, oh, and I know he can take it because he's such a nice, humble guy, and it's just like, uh-huh. that just sucks. And even uh, if he's uh, in on it, all you guys did is hang out and make you make you look bad. That was the whole prank. That's just a window into how you your the dynamic uh, of your coaching relationship. Yeah. And like, yeah, you don't respect this guy. Yeah. He's saying you just, should you should publicly uh, divorce your wife, but not really. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, <laughs> what the fuck? Why, exactly. Why would you think that's funny? Yeah. It sucks. It just sucks. So an asshole. Exactly. But Dvajvili going and then hunting oh, out. Put, put uh, this guy, put this guy on, on, on Conan's podcast. Like this guy's got, he'd, he'd be a great talk show guest. He's, he's very charming. He's funny. Like, yeah, this guy's championship material. Dvajvili then going out and finding Albarasin and like hunting him down and being like shooting, like <laughs> just sort of like ambush videos of like, this is my new coach now. <laughs> with him that just was creepy creepy footage of him from across the street well, no 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 he just like ran up to him and he's like hey it's my coach you got rid of you where he Alba, eric's here working with me right and just like putting like putting his arm around him and like holding the camera up and being like okay so now you know if i shoot the single leg is henry gonna go is he gonna turn left or is he gonna turn right should i go up with the elbow and like <laughs> did, you, did you see the video he put out uh as a joke about um, Henry Cejudo preparing Davis and Figueredo for his fight. Yes. yes. He slap. was like, he was doing the thing where you like slap him all over yeah, his body. Yeah. I don't know. Something about getting the blood flowing or whatever. Yeah. And then, and then he, <laughs> he just has two buxom women spank him. Yeah. In the video, both of the, both of whom tower over him, which just yeah. adds to the, the comedy. Cause he's like five, five. Yeah. Uh, no, it's just, he's funny. It's, wonderful it's honestly yeah. it's great yeah he's a he's a cool dude yeah should be fighting for a title yep. man what a clash of personalities him and sean o'malley i mean come on yeah no kidding charm himself he, versus sean o'malley gave him his jacket to to hold and he just took it forever <laughs> <laughs> like now that's how you do a prank that's a funny prank yeah. he, he like just would wear it to everywhere in public with I, his I mean, I believe he did return it. I just think he went yeah. and then bought one of his own. Yeah. Like and the Michael Jackson jacket. All the time, the way yeah. O'Malley does. Yep. It, it's just funny. 
the guy gets it, you know? He does. Voss really opened to minus 175, currently down to minus 214. Henry Cejudo opened to plus 156. He's currently at plus 188. All right. That brings us to our final fight of the main card, Anthony Hernandez, Roman Kapalov. And I, and I think we should introduce this with a song. Hey now, hey now, don't dream it's over. I think it might be over, Zane, for Roman Kapalov. Yeah. <laughs> we like him. He's so cool. He might it's... be. He, he will have other chances to make a run. Oh, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Wait, and... But it's yeah, but it will whatever run he has does seem like it will very likely depend on getting a bunch of matchups against guys who don't know how to wrestle. Yeah, and that's but like middleweight always provides. Yeah, yeah, you can definitely make that's a route you can follow at middleweight. Yep. This is not part of that uh, that course. This will be the speed bump. Yeah, I will say while I've already made it obvious that I'm going to pick Anthony Hernandez, there will be a decently sized period of this fight possibly more than one where anthony hernandez is getting fucking racked on the feet yes because his striking is not good it is bad and he does not like it he is an even more pure pace fighter than someone like marab even if he can't reach the same heights in that so much of his game particularly on the feet the technique is completely an afterthought. Yeah. Well, like, it, it's it is also, just it's, about the pace. It's done clearly. The way he strikes is done clearly out of a dislike of striking. Yeah. He just wants to just bash through it and, and yeah. get, to the, get to the clinch, get to the takedowns, get to the headlocks. Get to all the you, stuff he enjoys. Yeah. And once you see him in that mode, he looks really quite scientific and smooth in his approach. Uh, but it's just pace on the feet. That's yep. all he has. Uh, he's super wide open. And yeah, Kapalov is, a, I think, an increasingly sharp and decisive striker mm-hmm. who is absolutely going to test Hernandez's chin for as long as he's able. Yeah. Kapalov has found he has found the thing that he was building early in his career and that I was worried that he had lost when he got to the UFC because yeah. – He was a fighter early on who would slow – he would slow burn people. Yeah. Would start out with like the jab and some some kicks and just sort of working one-two, work the jab, work the one-two, get going and get – build his pace round by round by round until he was drowning opponents late in fights. Yeah. And he got – he met Carl out rock, Carl Robertson, Rob Roberson, mm-hmm. who just could hit hard enough to stop him from building yeah. every time. And it seemed like, you know, then he had that fight with Durayev and it's just like, okay. He I just, mean, not just not- that Roberson also just took him down late in the fight yeah. and just, and, and it revealed that maybe Kobolov doesn't really know what he's doing on the ground that much. Yeah, and it just looked like, okay, in the UFC, he is going to be – he's just not going to get the opportunities to yeah, to build the momentum that he needs to. But what we've seen lately, there's still – you know, that still may be a problem, which is why I'm picking against him here. But the pro- Kapalov has notably shortened the process yeah. by which he, he gets his reads and builds momentum. Yeah. And has shortened it most notably 
as to whether he gets to go forward or has to go backward. Absolutely. Yeah. He's he, he's just more assertive. Yes. <laughs> has more urgency right from the beginning of the fight. And, and, and I think he has genuinely just like uh, determined that it works better to, to just try to hit people harder earlier. Like yeah. it's not just about standing his ground and coming forward more. It's like, he just doesn't take as long before he's like, okay, now's the time to gamble and throw something really nasty. Yeah. And he does it sooner. The problem though, is that he can be pushed backwards. Yep. And when he is, his game falls apart a lot. Oh, yeah. And, and the other problem is just, I think a more simple style matchup thing. It's just, yeah. The grappling and wrestling. Yeah. But I'm just saying that you can't, you can't help but look at these four dudes he's beaten and be like, okay, yeah. So half of these guys don't even know what their own game is. It's true. Um, I'm just saying, like, if he could push Anthony Anthony Hernandez backwards, yeah, then he might have a chance to win this. For sure. Just because he's so much of a better striker and wrestling is can be so difficult off the back foot. Yep. And we know he can he can throw out single nasty crushing strikes, but uh but the if you watch the Claudio Ribeiro and the Josh Fremd fights, mm-hmm. what you will see in both of those fights is Kapalov starts out just testing middle distance mm-hmm. and getting pushed around a little to get his reads. And like that friend fight, like friend is going out there and kicking him and punching mm-hmm. him and just kind of getting his own stuff done. And you can watch it. And like, you, if you know what you're watching for, you, you can see really clearly. It's like, Oh yeah. Josh friend is within a minute of getting absolutely wrecked. Yeah. And he doesn't know it, but yeah, there's you, a you lot. You can see the, the Cobra mongoose thing going on. Yeah. If you know, if you're looking for it, but but then the Claudio Hibero fight, Hibero just bites down, decides to go forward a couple times, and both mm-hmm. times he does, he absolutely clocks Kapalov. Yep. There's because no Kapalov room. does not move backwards very well. There's room to get going. You got time. And uh and yeah, also like just do it with wrestling instead of striking, and you're probably gonna win. Exactly. So yeah. And like I said, Hernandez is a, a genuinely very skilled um grappler. You know, and just, a, he has a fantastic front headlock series. Watching how easily Carl Roberson got uh, uh, Kapalov's back on on what I think was like his first real attempt to go to the ground with him. Uh, I don't know. You just see him like just struggling to defend a, a guillotine, and then suddenly Hernandez is on his back, and he just gets he gets choked out by Roberson almost immediately after yeah. getting his back. I mean. And and top and the thing with Hernandez especially is that he he's internalized the Khabib mindset, yeah, which is the best grappling mindset, yeah, which is yeah maybe I'm gonna push myself to the point that I get tired, but you will get more tired. I will be put punishing you at a pace that you can't keep. You you will be worse at keeping than I am. Yeah, being willing to exhaust yourself from a position of advantage that you can keep getting back to. Yep. It means that you can really put a devastating pace on a lot of people. Yep. Uh, Hernandez is the favorite here. Opened at minus 165. is currently at minus 245. Kapalov opened at plus 147. Currently at plus 213. Sounds reasonable to me. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I think you've got it. This is a styles make fights kind of fight. 
And you've yep. you've got to look at the style matchup and just be like, yeah, this is a good fight for Anthony Hernandez. Mm-hmm. All right. On that note, we're going to wrap up the main card show. We will have a little bit of bonus content for our Substack subscribers. So if you are a Substack subscriber, tune, stick around for a minute. And if not, this is the time to sign up. Every bit helps. Thank you. And we will see you next time. To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcasts and you will get new shows throughout the week, including the MMA Bunker and MMA Tete-a-Tete shows with Kid Nate, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey Not the Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection Main Card and Prelims UFC Preview Shows, the Sixth Round Post Fight Show, the Show Money Podcast, and the MMA Depressed Us.